If you have a Bible um, then, or, or something on your phone, then please uh, turn to Hebrews uh, chapter 4 and uh, verse 14 to 16. I'm going to be reading from it shortly. This is, this is not going to work. Uh, the, um, the little clip thing is broken, and I'm sort of hanging it in my pocket, but um, I might... Um, I don't know if I need... I can probably just shout at you. Anyway, I'll, I'll try it for a while and see what happens. If you can't hear me, then um, just wave or something, but um, hopefully you can. Uh, so we're, we're continuing the series looking at really focusing on Jesus, who he is, what he's like. And we're using as a sort of a guide this book called Gentle and Lowly. Um, it's been, uh, we've mentioned this before. Um, I would thoroughly recommend this book. I don't me- read many books, um, as my wife will, will, will tell you. Uh, but I've been reading this one. I found it really good. Uh, it's very easy to read. Short chapters, always good. You get to an end of a chapter quite quickly and think, oh, I've achieved something. Um, so if you haven't got it, and you would, uh, I just would recommend it. Um, it's a really helpful um, uh, you know, um, instruction or, or explanation of Jesus uh, from various verses in the Bible and uh, helps us to really get to grips with who he really is and what he is to us. So uh, um, anyway, that's, uh, that's available. Um, there's a link on the um, email that comes out on a Friday if you, if you would like to buy that. Uh, get a copy for yourself. Um, So the verses we're looking at today come from Hebrews, and they're one of my favourite verses. I can't, there's a lot of favourite verses in the Bible, but I I love these, because um, the verses speak of the amazing access we have to Jesus. The fact that we have been set free and we are able to approach him. We've been... Um, we've been made right with God and uh, there is no barrier between us and God and, um, and, and it, they're just wonderful they're just wonderful uh, encouragements to us and so I'd just like to read them now so Hebrews chapter 4 14 to 16 says this therefore since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven Jesus the son of God let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, I want to just set a context for this verse because I think it's helpful to see why the writer put it here. What was the, the purpose of, of, uh, of, of writing about this at this point? Now, in the previous chapter, chapter 3, half of chapter 3 and the rest of chapter 4, um, he's looking back at some events in the life of Israel, God's chosen people, and um, some of the and it was a warning. It was a warning to the Christians to say, you need to take note of what happened. 
And it refers back to the, the spies and when the children of Israel were invited by God to go into the promised land, to enter into his rest, to enter into all the wonderful things God had for them. And, uh, and as you know, and we often refer to this because it's quite a, a key point in, uh, in the Bible, is that the, the spies went in, they looked at the land, they saw how wonderful it was, and yet ten of them came back and said, we can't do this. And only two, Joshua and Caleb, said, no, we can, because God's with us. But of course, uh, uh, those who know the story know that the, the, the ten uh, held sway, persuaded the people that they couldn't do it, they couldn't attack this, this land, they couldn't possess it, um, they didn't trust God, they rebelled against God. And so there was huge consequences. The whole uh, generation missed out on going into uh, the promised land. Only Joshua and Caleb eventually from that generation went in. And so it was a terrible waste, a terrible loss. Now God still loved these people, but they missed out on what God had for them. And, and then the, the writer of Hebrews goes on to say, this is a warning for us. Don't do what they did. Don't rebel against God. Don't miss out on the blessings that God has for you. Don't miss out on what God has got for you. And, and he is pleading, really, and saying, look, there is so much more that you can experience of God, so much of the blessing, so much of the rest of God, uh, rest as in, as in relaxation and, and joy in his presence, that, that he wants you to have, but you can miss out. And this was a warning to Christians. It wasn't a warning to those who aren't yet saved, although it's true. Now... We have been saying, and we always say, that um, don't worry if you're in sin, you can still approach God. Amen. You can still come to God. He welcomes the sinner. He welcomes you if you're a child of God and you've sinned. And, and we, we say, it doesn't matter that you've sinned, you can come close to God. And, and that's absolutely true. But what we mustn't do, we mustn't go a step further to say, we can say it doesn't matter that you've sinned because you can come to God, but we can't say sin doesn't matter. And there's a fine line, and we can move over sometimes to think, well, it doesn't matter. I've sinned, doesn't matter. God, God loves me still. God will forgive me. And in one sense, that's true, but sin does matter. It matters hugely. And, and the writer is saying, look, sin will have a devastating impact upon you if you let it. Even for the child of God, sin really matters. And so we, we, we never want to get to the point to say, don't matter about sin, in the sense that, it, you know, you can sin and, and then, you know, when you're ready, you can come back to God and God will accept you. That's because, it was because of our sin that Jesus went through uh, what he went through. It was a cruel death, pain and suffering. It was a, an agonising thing because of our sin. And so it was no, it's no little thing. Sin is no little thing. And it was sin that caused us to have separation between a holy God. It broke the relationship. It caused us to be under God's wrath. And it was through Jesus, his coming, his death, uh, his life and death and his resurrection, that brought us back to a relationship with, uh, with God. 
and that we could call him father again, that we could call Jesus our brother, that we could be sons and daughters of the king. And it was through his uh, sacrifice for us that enabled us to get back to God. But why does sin matter then? Why does it? Because that's been dealt with, because that's happened, and, and that's absolutely right. It happened once for all. As a child of God, through faith in Jesus, we are made right with him. And that's the wonderful truth of the gospel, is that if we come to God and we say, Jesus, I recognise that you are the Son of God. I recognise you died for me on the cross. I believe that you paid the price for my sin. The Bible tells us we will be saved. There is no question about that. So why does it matter that Christians sin? Well, it matters because of two things, really. That firstly, it breaks that relationship. We're still loved by God. We're still his children. But because he's a holy God, if we sin, there is a break in relationship. If I have an argument with my wife, which does occasionally happen, um, we're still married, we still love each other, and yet until that's resolved, until we sort it out, there's a break in relationship. There is a, there's, a, there's something not right between us. And so we have to sort it out so that we can uh, once again have that close relationship. And, and that's what it's like with God. He, he, there is a break. And so we, we miss out on that closeness if we're in sin. But secondly, and, and, and almost as importantly, sin damages. Sin will damage us. Even the sin that we enjoy doing. You see, the author, what's behind sin, the person or the, uh, the, 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 the force, whatever you want to call him, behind sin is Satan himself. And he likes more, nothing more than to damage and to destroy. And so any sin is going to have that impact upon us. It's going gonna, it's gonna to damage us. It's going to hurt us. And Jesus doesn't want that. Jesus doesn't want us to be damaged. And he doesn't want us to be, have a broken relationship. And so it's in this context that the writer of Hebrews writes these verses. And says, you know what? You can fall into sin by your rebellion. You can go away. And, and you'll miss something. But, but, there's a way back. There's a way back. And this is, this is what the writer is trying to, trying to help the people see. So the first set of verses is about Jesus, our high priest, and, and Rob really helpfully went into that uh, earlier on. He is our advocate in heaven. He went through the heavens, it says in verse 14. He ascended. And because he conquered sin and death, he was able to go through the heavens and sit at the right hand of the Father. And that's important for us to know that he was sinless and therefore he has full access. He lived this life on earth and he didn't sin. And because of that, he is able to go through the heavens and sit at the right hand of the Father. He is accepted back because he conquered sin and death. And because he conquered it, he conquered it not for himself because he didn't sin. He conquered it for you and for me. So he has power over sin and death. He has power for his... Well, he, he conquered it himself, but he conquered it for us. He has that power for you and for me. And he is our advocate. That's what the high, high priest was... He, as, as Rob pointed out, he sacrificed for his own sin 
and for the sin of the people. Jesus didn't sacrifice for his own sin, he just sacrificed for us. And so he did it so that we could be, have an advocate in heaven that pleads before the Father and we can know that he has gone there before us and is sinless and has conquered sin and death. He is the overcomer in heaven and he's there for us. But then it goes on to say uh, in verse 15, let's go back to that. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses. And this is, this is really important. You see, Jesus came to earth and he lived as a man. He experienced life as a human being. He went through so many different things. The word sympathise means to share another's emotions or sorrow or anguish. To have compassion to understand. Because he was human, because he lived on this earth, he understands what it's like to be human. He understands what pressures we face. He knows how difficult life can be. He knows what it's like to live this life. And so, he is able to sympathise with us. He doesn't look at us when we fall and say, well, I didn't do that. Why did you do that? It's not very good, is it? What he says is, I was there. I went through that. That was tough. That was tough for me. It was tough for you. He genuinely suffered trials and temptations. He knew what it was like to be rejected. He knew what it was like to have close people turn away from him. He knew what it was like to suffer shame and rejection. He knew what it was like to suffer hurt and actual physical pain in his body. He understood those things that we face. Some of us face them daily. He really understands and he sympathises with us. He doesn't say, come on, you can do better than that. He says, I know what it's like. I know what it's like, what you're going through. You see, he's not like us in that respect. He, um, there are people here, and I've, I've talked to many, who are suffering things that I have very little experience of myself. I can, I can empathise to an extent. Um, but we, and I can stand up here and I can, you can look at me and think, you have no idea what I'm going through, Tim. And I'll probably say, you're right, I don't. And, 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 you, know, and, and you, you can sort of be, be a bit resentful, thinking you, you don't understand. You don't realise how difficult it is for me. And, and do you know what I might say to you? I don't. I've got some idea, but really I don't. Jesus, however, doesn't say that. He says, I do. I know exactly what you're going through. I know exactly what you're feeling. I know exactly how it feels. Because I was there. And the Bible tells us that he was tempted or tested. The word is the same. 
uh, in every way, in every way as we are. Now, I don't understand that, but when you look at his life, you can, you can get to a point where you say, do you know what, he went through an awful lot. And he can understand. So we have the truth of the Bible say, do you know what, whatever you have been through, whatever you're going through, he understands. And he doesn't look at you and tut. He says, do you know what, that is tough. That is difficult. I understand. I've been through it. So he's been through those rejections. But he's also, and this is really important as well, that he was tempted. He was not only tested in the sufferings and, 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 and the rejection and the betrayal and all that which, you know, happens to us. But he was also tempted in every way. He understands what it was like to resist sin and to have sin thrown at you. He was tempted to anger. He was tempted to envy. He was tempted to self-medicate, to get out of things. He was even tempted sexually. How can you say that? Because it says he was tempted in every way that we were. I don't know how that happened. Uh, we don't have a particular account of that. But all I know is, I know that we can be tempted that way. Therefore, Jesus must have been tempted that way. Now, when I say this, he was sinless. He always resisted. There is no impurity in Jesus. But, but he understands when we get tempted like that. He understands when we get tempted to be angry or envious. Because he was tempted, he was in every way, yet was without sin. And in fact, and, and this is in the book, and, and C.S. Lewis gives a great example, he was tested more than we are. He was tempted more than we are. The example C.S. Lewis gives is a man walking against a stiff wind, and he's walking and he's struggling, and the wind is getting stronger and stronger, and eventually the man just gives up and lies down. And he's given in to the wind because he can't cope with it anymore. Um, but the man doesn't know what the wind would have been like ten minutes later. Jesus does. He went on and on in the wind. So he was tempted far more than we will ever be. And yet he resisted. The amazing thing is that when he ascended to heaven, he didn't say, look at me, look what I've done, aren't I clever? He says, come to me. Because the next part of the verse is, approach the throne of grace with confidence. You see, he didn't do it for himself. He didn't do it. He didn't experience all that for himself. He experienced it for you and for me. So that when we go to him and say, I've messed up, there was this temptation and I just got it wrong. When I got angry and I fell and, and I messed up, Jesus says, you know what, I've been through that. I know how hard it is. I know how difficult it is. And you know what, I overcame and I'm going to tell you how you can overcome too. You can overcome the same way that I did. 
And you can be absolutely confident about this because I was a man and I suffered and I overcame and now you can too. Because the way I overcame, you can overcome. And so we don't go to someone who judges us. Jesus didn't go onto the throne to judge us. To look down and say, well, he didn't do very well. You see, it's not a th- he sits on a throne of grace. He doesn't sit on a throne of disappointment. He doesn't say, oh, you could have done better. You could have done better. He doesn't sit on a throne of tutting. He sits on a throne of grace, of undeserved favour. It's called that because of the person who sits on him. He is the man. I've lost me. Probably put that down. He is the person who, more than anything else, more than anyone else, um, explains what grace is. It's undeserved favour. It's undeserved grace and mercy for anybody who will approach. It's for everybody who will approach. No one is missed out. No one is too far away. No one has gone to the depth that Jesus won't say, you're welcome. And he says, don't run away from me when you've done this. Don't hide. Don't don't think I'm just going to stay here. And even if... uh, you know, we're ashamed to admit it to other people. Don't be ashamed to admit it to Jesus because he will say to you, do you know what? I've been through that and it was tough. And I'm going to help you get out of it because I know how to do that. You see, his heart for us is far greater than the heart that we have for our own children. If you've got your own children, and I think probably the toughest times that I've ever had in life um, are, are when I've watched my children go through difficult things. It gives you real pain because because you, you, you can't, you know, particularly, and also whether they've, whether they were just difficult things they're going through or whether they're, they're self-inflicted, which of course can happen. And you're there and your heart cries out, you know, I want to help you. I want to I gather you in my arms. I want to, I want to you know, and, and actually... At times you can do that, and other times when they're going the, the way they're going because of their, their own choices, and you can't do it. And your heart burns for them because you just long to be able to help them. And this is Jesus' heart for us, but even, even more so, because he, he will never say, well, I told you so. You shouldn't have done that, should you? Look, look what a mess you got in. He never will never say that. Even, even as parents, we're tempted sometimes to say that to our kids. Well, I told you not to do that. Look, look, look the consequence. Jesus will never say that to us. He will understand that actually the pressures that we face are vast and, and, and they can be overwhelming. And so, just to sort of come to some sort of conclusion, he will give us the means of grace. He says there in the last verse, approach the throne of grace with confidence that you may receive mercy 
and find grace to help you in your time of need. You will receive mercy, you will be forgiven, you will be accepted, you will be loved, and you will find grace to help you. You will get the tools that you need. You will get what you need to overcome this. So don't, the writer is saying, don't live with your sin. Don't live in it. You'll miss out. You'll miss out. It's going to damage you. You're going you're to lose stuff. Come to him. He will help you overcome this so that you will live in the good things of God. You will live in his blessings. You will live in the, uh, in the rest of God. Because that's where he wants you. That's where he wants you. Because he's got a heart for us like a, a, a parent for a child. He doesn't want us to live in those places. He wants us to be free of those things which damage us. Jonah. I do love the story of Jonah. Uh, something that he said as he was sitting in the belly of the fish. Time to contemplate, I think, when you're there. And maybe some of us are there now. It says, Jonah, when he was thinking there, says, those who turn to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. He had time to think and thought, do you know what? I've been so stupid. I've run away from God and I've missed it. I've missed out. I've missed what he's got for me. I've turned to worthless things and I've forfeited the grace that could have been mine. But do you know what? As soon as he said that, the fish threw him out and he was able to get back into the purposes and the will of God. As soon as he came to his senses, he got back into where he should have been and where he, he should be. And countless thousands were blessed by that. Now, there's various things that went on in Jonah's life and he was, you know, like us, he was a bit of a, uh, uh, a, bit, a, bit of a uh, toing and froing with God. And yet the blessing that came out of his realisation was massive. Nineveh was saved. Hundreds of thousands of people... And so, just to conclude, whatever you're going through, whatever difficulty you're facing, whether it's a testing time because of events or circumstances or people around you, or whether it's a tempting time and you're struggling with sin and you're struggling with something, the invitation is this. We have someone in heaven, our great high priest, who understands and sympathises with what you're going through. He doesn't reject you. He doesn't, uh, he's not disappointed. He just wants you to come to find mercy and grace. He wants you to approach him and say, you need to get rid of this rubbish, this sin that's around you because it's damaging you. It's hurting you. I want you to get rid of it because it's no good for you. It's not what I, I, I saved you for. It's not why I called you to be covered in this stuff. It's, it's, it's hurting you, my child. I want you rid of it. I want to get rid of it, and I'm going to tell you and show you how because I overcame. I know how to get around this. I know how to overcome it. Come to me, and you will find a means of grace. You will find a means of grace. Now, just on that, means of grace that all sorts of ways Jesus sometimes when we come to him with these things will just deal with it and take away the temptation and, and, uh, and, 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 and just you know and I've, I've heard that 
unfortunately, it does, that's not the norm. But he can do that. Yes. He can do that. But often a means of grace is something quite simple that actually he brings along somebody else alongside you that has been through something similar and stands with you and walks with you. Or he brings along something like the steps course that some of us are going through at the moment where there is an opportunity to to talk uh, and to, uh, to deal with some issues that are going on. And that is also a means of grace. It's a means where, uh, you know, a a step-by-step process. So it takes time. And actually that is often the way God works with us because he wants us uh, not only just to, you know, because if if he took everything out of the way, we wouldn't learn uh, to to be mature and grow. And and so if if you know that you're struggling with something, then then actually the steps course goes on. And I speak to Jamie and there'll be another opportunity. This one started. But uh, it's also, it's a means of grace. And there are other ways Jesus does it to bring us to a place of, of freedom from sin. Uh, but there will be one for you. There will be a means of grace and help in your time of need. So I'm just going to pray for us. So I just want you to just, to, just to close your eyes, just to be quiet. I don't know what people are going through here you do in your own life and Jesus does and I want to assure you that Jesus wants you free that he doesn't condemn you if you're caught in some sort of sin or some sort of uh, thing that's got hold of you or something that is causing you grief there is a an advocate in heaven, there is a high priest in heaven who understands what you're going through. He understands the difficulty. And he says, come and approach me with confidence. With confidence that you will receive mercy and you will find grace to help you. And so I just want you to do that now. And I just, you know, even, even it's, it's, not a, it's not a one-off process, but even now, okay, admit before him this thing that you're struggling with, whether it's a testing or a temptation, admit before him and say, God, I want rid of this. I want rid of this, this sin and I want help in this testing time. Come with confidence. Come knowing that you have access. Come knowing that he is willing you to come. Knowing that he understands, knowing that he wants and has everything you need to help you. Yeah. Yeah. Lord Jesus, Lord, you are the one that sits there having overcome for us. Lord, we honour you. Lord, we sing... This morning in honour of you, Lord, and we honour you now, our great high priest. But Lord, how amazing that you welcome us, that you beckon us, that you say, come, come with confidence, whatever's gone on, I want you clean. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that your heart 
is so for us, that your heart is so for me, that you don't want anything clinging uh, to us. You don't want anything disrupting our relationship. You don't want anything that is damaging to be upon us. Lord, thank you. That's what your heart is. You're not here to condemn us. You're not here to, to, to be disappointed. You're here to make us free. And Lord, I thank you for that. And I just pray for anyone here that is struggling with sins. God, I pray, God, help them to just come with confidence to find that grace and mercy. Thank you, Jesus, that you won't let them down. You've never let anyone down. You won't let them down. And Lord, thank you that you will provide a means of grace because you promise you will. You will provide a means of grace to get them to a place of rest and hope and joy in you. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, for anybody that's going through real trials, I pray, God, they would really experience your coming alongside of saying, I understand, I'm with you, I've been through this, I can help you, I can be with you in these trials. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.